for joining us as we elevate the Black entrepreneur experience by interviewing CEOs, thought leaders, innovative thinkers, and Black entrepreneurs across the globe. I'm your host, Dr. Francis Richard. Today, we have a serial entrepreneur, and Lorenzo McFadden is joining us, and his background is from Fortune 100 Corporations. He is also the founder of the Thrive Network. His company provides in-home therapy services to families in several New Jersey counties. And at American Training Center, his team trains frontline health workers and provides the only federally approved apprenticeship program for certified medical assistance in South Jersey. Welcome, Lorenzo. Thank you, Doctor. I'm glad to be here. I've given our audience such a brief bio. Why don't you fill in the gaps and share with our audience what you'd like them to know about you and your business? Great. And I'll jump right in. Um, I feel like it's good to always know context when you start talking about your organizations and how they came to be. So first thing I'll say is for both organizations, um, there were no um, angel investors. and we didn't tap into any grants. It was really a lot of hard work. And I think it's important to kind of put that out there in the beginning. So just people know kind of where we're starting from in a sense. And now I'll just talk a little bit about the organizations. Um, the Thrive Network is made up of Where Kids Thrive, which is an in-home therapeutic organization um, that provides services to children and families that are just dealing with very difficult situations or going through crisis. And we do that in, from pretty much central Jersey down to southern Jersey. Um, then that's really our flagship brand as well. So that's what the organization is most known for working with traumatized children and just families that are going through difficult situations. And there's where families thrive, which is our outpatient facility service that provides services through Medicaid as well as works with the Department of Protection and Permanency so that if there are children dealing with some difficult situations or have been removed from their families, at times we'll step in and help to assist with whatever is needed therapeutically for that ch child or that foster care situation to be successful and for that child to ultimately thrive and move forward. Um, then we have Thrive Anywhere, which is our our sort of, I guess you could call that our teleservice. It's something that really picked up due to COVID, of course, because generally our therapists like to perform their service face-to-face. -face. And so this was really a transition for them, but um, it's something that ended up taking off for us. And we do um, pretty extensively in New Jersey right now. And then we have Thrive Institute, which is our training and development arm that's where we work with different school districts and organizations on everything from, um, you know, training instructors on different strategies to helping staff understand how to work together and um, self-regulate in, in a sense. Um, we also have collaborated to deliver mental health first aid training to over a thousand workers in South Jersey, oh, no, in New Jersey at this point. And we're hoping to continue with that initiative. And um, I guess I'd say that would sum up um, the Thrive Network and the work that I'm doing there as far as giving you a, a understanding of the framework. Uh, American Training Center, on the other hand, is, is a 
a little different because it's a, a vocational training provider. So it's a completely different industry. You know, we're talking about workforce development here. Again, this was another scenario where it was just a lot of hard work pulling it together. And, you know, I, I really had a partner who was an expert in workforce development. And then I was able to sort of build around that individual with, I guess you could say the missing pieces as I got my understanding of the area because I had done some work in education as well. So we ended up starting training uh, certified nursing assistants, and then we expanded to certified medical assistants. And we really dug in there um, because there just seemed to be a lot of different um, career paths we were able to create at that level. And so we've gone from doing everything in person to teaching hybrid. Uh, we've done sub subcontracting from organizations like um, in Illinois to, um, you know, doing some work for Amazon as well. Uh, we've trained in several different states, uh, Louisiana, Rhode Island, Connecticut, Delaware, Virginia, Pennsylvania, um, Illinois, and I think, oh no, Florida. So, you know, we've been pretty busy trying to expand and offer our training more extensively. And now that we've really settled into the um, healthcare area, we've transitioned more into IT and really looking at that area because we want to help more young men get active. And what we found was that healthcare was really drawing at the certified medical assistant level, at least. So we figured we'd kind of shift over to IT and see what we could do there. So we started training um, and just A plus in the basic foundation levels. Um, this, these trainings are implemented not just as, um, I'll say for people who have been unemployed or underemployed, these are for people that are actually changing careers, as well as we offer these programs for um, children who are seniors in high school that wanna transition out. And when they go to school, they wanna make, make sure they can work and make a decent living or they're not quite ready to go to school. So they, want, so they want to have a career, but it's also something that could be a stepping stone for them. So it creates a few options in that respect. Um, and yeah, that, that program is has now expanded though on the IT side. And I'm, I've gotten really excited about that because about five months ago, we started putting together a crypto fundamentals training course. And we're about to roll that out in about a week. You know, and we're going to be offering that to high school kids as well. So we're excited about helping some youth really get on the front end of this new technology. So uh, I'll say that really, I'll say, sums up <laughs> the scope of the two companies right there. Um, so if there's anything else you want to ask, I can jump right in. So Lorenzo, talk about your background and how did you get into... Um, both of these, it appears like kind of polar opposite um, businesses. Okay. Well, I got into, well, I'll, I'll start kind of with my career in, you know, working corporate. I had done some work as an actuary for a consulting firm and then as a business analyst. And I, I just kind of hit a point where I felt like I wanted to give back. And so I ended up going to work at a school I attended in Camden, New Jersey as a student. And that got me that foothold or understanding of education. Both my parents had been educators, so it was a comfortable space for me. 
And getting in there allowed me to start thinking about how to address some of the issues that I was seeing. And so as I would see different things in the students, I was trying to understand how can I impact this? And so after kind of transitioning out of the classroom, I was able to partner with my brother who had already been an entrepreneur and had done some work and, and been very successful in his own right. So it was a great stepping stone to be able to work with him to set up an after school program to see if we could really get another level of impact. And it was different because we were able to catch the kids after school and we actually were able to see great results as far as their educational improvement, but the behavioral improvement wasn't quite where we wanted to see it. And that's where we felt like one of the bigger issues was. So then, you know, after having exposure to the daytime school experience and the after school experience, I ended up having a conversation. I went to a conference and I was just talking with someone and they started talking to me about in-home therapeutic services, which I'd never heard of. And so this was really a new thing for me or exposure to me. And I was pretty stunned just by the idea of being able to put someone with a master's level degree in a home that they might only have a high school graduate or even someone who just made it out of middle school. And just that exposure of seeing that person consistently for let's just say eight weeks or 16 weeks would have some sort of synergistic um, impact, even outside of the therapeutic piece. So, you know, once I was able to hear that, I started talking with that person about, you know, how could that be, I guess, accomplished in a sense, or how could we create something that could provide that in, in communities that I cared about in a sense, because those types of services they weren't necessarily um, readily available in those areas because you didn't always have therapists who were willing to go into the community. So, you know, we started working together and trying to figure out um, how to accomplish that. She had some challenges on her end as well because the place she was working was really um, toxic and they were um, burnt out. I think she was had been supervising about 300 people, therapists. So it, it just seemed impossible to do a good job, quite frankly. And so, you know, this was somebody who was, I, I thought was pretty talented, but really didn't have the right situation. So we started talking about how we could create something that was really a place where people wanted to work. And that was pretty hard, or we didn't see much of that in the social work space. And we started thinking about how to create just that culture that excited people to be there and, you know, did let them know when they joined us that they should be lifelong learners. And that that's the environment we were creating and that they should want to develop and be collaborative and really want to be able to care about each other and, and have some of those basic principles still present, I guess, in the workplace. So that was really the, I guess, the formation of the Thrive piece and where that started. But then the ed I still had the education background, so that was still part of my just personal passion. So getting in that workforce development side, these things were sort of happening concurrently. So as I was starting Thrive, I was actually start helping to start um, American Training Center as well. And so, you know, I'm, I was looking at now that same community, but from a workforce development standpoint. 
because what I found was that often people who were had been unemployed often ended up being depressed or ended up, you know, having different abuse issues as far as substances and things like that. And there often were just other problems present. So I started looking at it from, uh, I guess, a more global perspective and saying, okay, let's, if I look at all these different issues, how can I start bringing some of the solutions together so that they're co working collaboratively? So in establishing American Training Center and, the, and that coursework, we hit a point where we were able to start integrating in some mental health supports. So if it was just connecting our students to the resources that they needed, or if it was having a, met, a therapist or a mental health professional come in and do a group activity around just something like self-regulation, because we found that we had students who would work really hard for, to get their certification, get a job, and then when they would start working, they burn out or they'd have a, one bad interaction with someone and they wouldn't know how to really respond appropriately. So we started needing to focus on that element as well. And that's where that mental health piece really came into play and was valuable. So that's where we started to see, or I started to see, I guess you could say the merging of both entities being able to work together. And then there was a collaboration for mental health first aid where American Training Center was able to actually write for the grant through the Department of Labor. And then um, Thrive Institute was able to actually be the vehicle to help put the training out into the community and to connect to the other organizations. So we've actually been able to collaborate quite a bit between the groups, but they are very different. So I don't know if I would say polar opposites, but they, they are very different as far as what their focuses are. And I'm just working to figure out how to get these different collaboration points. And it sounds like you have really um, done an amazing job marrying the two. And so even though I said that they are polar opposite, you did a great job explaining how one feeds into the other and they really coexist. They can be separate entities but they actually commingle very well together. Absolutely. And, and it's funny because we just had our, our first project come up where a school is, they're working in a boys and girls club and they're bringing both organizations in to give them space. So they'll be kind of, this is the, my first time actually having both in the same space. So it's really exciting for me, um, you know, for multiple reasons, having work, you know, I work a lot. <laughs> so it's always nice to be able to have both of them close to each other, or at least having locations right next door. And just from the standpoint of the work that they're doing, because I think it's a great compliment to have them really say, you know, we want you here and we want you to be part of this, I'll say service giving organization in our community. <laughs> And Lorenzo, one of the things you talked about at the beginning, if, so if someone is just joining in, I just want to kind of um, highlight, you had mentioned about capital and being, um, you know, our, you know, Black entrepreneurs and, and people of color always looking for finances. And you stated that you did not have any outside investors. Talk about raising capital. Um, how did you get the capital to start your companies? 
Well, in both scenarios, we we really first thing we did we stripped down the overhead, and we said, you know, if to get this off the ground, we need to be bare bones, and you know, it was really us deciding that we were going to roll up our sleeves, make sure we could sustain ourselves somewhat in other in other ways, and just start putting in the work and grinding, and for thrive. Well, actually, in both cases, we kind of worked sort of part time for about a year without being paid, you know, to get them off the ground. And so I would just, you know, encourage anyone who's an entrepreneur thinking about getting or into that space to know that, um, you know, that that type of sacrifice will what I would expect it to be somewhere in there where you know you really have to kind of rethink from a budget standpoint where you were going to be and look at where things really are and how you may have to adapt to some challenges and just sort of evolve very quickly and at times you know you're not going to have the resources necessarily available so then that adaptability just becomes critical and um so i had really partners who were also in the same place mentally so i think that helps as well, you know, you didn't have somebody really trying to pull money out prematurely as we were getting to, through that first year of figuring things out. And then once we did, like I said, we kept overhead extremely low initially, but then it's it's been interesting because by doing that, I definitely have hit a point with both organizations where, you know, we have, I've, I've had to look up and say, I have so many, I have, I have too many people who are just talented people and are able to do different things, but they're not necessarily doing what they should be doing. So it was a situation where, and, and I found myself in that situation. So I was comfortable working that way and taking on multiple, working in multiple areas. But when I look at my staff, I had to say, you know, how do I start now getting these individuals into their sweet spots and not sort of asking them because they're so bright to kind of look into some other areas because as you grow and, and I'm going from that growth of small to medium sized company as we speak, and I'm, I'm recognizing very quickly that I have to tighten up everything. So I can't have somebody who halfway knows something in a department. I have to have a department head almost, you know, somebody who really understands the nuts and bolts to be able to address what I need them to. So yeah, I'd say that was really critical just being really, Lean in the beginning, understanding that, uh, you know, we, we put in sweat equity, I guess, you know, so I, I know the hours of time that we put in was definitely worth a lot. But um, as far as capital, I mean, neither was started with more than 2000 in the bank. Um, and, you know, now we're at a point where, um, you know, two are generating, you know, well over a million annually. So it's been an interesting journey in that respect, because there's a lot of things that had to happen along the way. And, um, you know, those things were really driven by staying lean for a very long time and then figuring out how to outsource when we could. And when did you guys start? Uh, 2014 and 2015. We are two days away from Thanksgiving and we always love to talk about being the attitude of gratitude and being thankful. So I want you to fill in the blanks. 
Thank you, pandemic, because. You gave us the push we needed to really, in both situations, one, establish our telehealth service in a significant way. And with the school, I think it's just understanding that technology is driving everything. So we needed more of our coursing, coursework online. So in both cases, it drove us to evolve. So I really can say I'm thankful and can appreciate it from that perspective. When talk specifically to the um, shift or where you think things are trending, when you think of the African-American community and therapy and young people? Well, one, I think that we're, it's definitely trending in the right direction, in my opinion, which means that I think they're, the stigma is starting to get broken down. Um, but we still have a lot of work to do, I think. You know, it, I think we're still functioning in a mindset of that it's not maybe not something for black people or that, you know, I can go to the hair salon or I can go to the barbershop. And, you know, that, that, that's where I have my therapeutic moment instead of getting in front of a professional that's really um, been taught to help people work through difficult things. And um, so I, I do think it's moving in the right direction, but I still think there is a lot of work to do. And I think it stems from, somewhat from um you know having a lack there there so for so long having a lack of access so you know you you end up coping and finding other ways of dealing with those situations so now that the resources are becoming more available i think you know there is a little bit of that fear you know and there is that discomfort of something new or something that our parents weren't maybe as involved with or we didn't see as much but that's what's so great about I think looking at our world and seeing it evolve is being able to look at our parents and have the maturity to say hey they did the best they could with what they have had and now it's our turn and we have a little more so maybe we can make it look a little different and do a little more. Lorenzo I want you to have a conversation and talk specifically to someone in our audience and they're listening and they're a parent a parent of young children and they're at wit's end and they're pulling their hair out and they're crying at night and they don't know what to do and where to turn. They know that their child or they think that their child needs some type of professional help, possibly therapy, but they're dealing with that stigma or um, I don't want my child to be labeled or whatever reason. What advice would you give to that parent or those parents right now? What would you say? You're going to have to push through <laughs> in a sense and, and understand that it's about your child's well-being and that it's serious. You know, we encounter situations where children are really dark place is it are you there did i lose you
Can you hear me, Lorenzo? Hello, Doc. Did I lose you for a second? I'm sorry. Are you still there? Yes. You did. Uh -huh. Okay. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, so just really being able to um, get past that stigma and understand that it's, it's really about doing what's in their child's well-being and making sure that, um, you know, you, you find someone that you're comfortable with as well. And that, you know, when you're going to talk to them, you're not going from the standpoint of, can you fix my child necessarily? Because that's not really the role of that person. It's to give you strategies on how to better relate and work with your child and understanding that some of the behaviors you're seeing, they're not necessarily just to be oppositional towards you. At times, it's because their feelings are so big that you know, they don't know what to do with them. Just like as adults, sometimes we lose it. You know, I think we forget that sometimes our kids are going through really stressful times and, you know, they can lose it as well. And, you know, I think we're starting to even see that more now when you look at across the country and kids coming back to school from the pandemic. And, you know, now all of a sudden we have all these fights happening at these high school football games. And, you know, and, and this little, just these little ticks of um, upticks of behaviors that, maybe have been a little calmer at one point, but just that little uptick is escalating it across the board. So um, I would say to those pe people just really, you know, know that it's about you working with them and being part of it and just be open to trying different things and it looking different than the way you learned it. Someone is listening to this interview and they are in your area. And if they're interested in connecting or finding out more about how they could connect with your business, what is the best way? Uh, well, first they can go to the www.thrivenetwork.com. That's our website where they can access us and they can send an email in the contact us if it's a situation where they it, it's a little more urgent and they want to call directly they can reach us at 609-889-8100 and that'll get them into their main line and then if it's a little more serious and it's a crisis situation they can also get in contact with us by calling the state perform care system and through that they'll be able to get directed through us to, to us through crisis services according to what county they're in and so for um both the company the thrive network and american training center do you operate and, only in the new jersey area okay current for Thrive currently works in New Jersey only. American Training Center is does, actually works pretty, we work in several states right now providing different services, but our trainings are offered, can be remote or can be hybrid, or we can actually come on site and set up the training for them. Um, we've just started a different type of training for us, which is we've transferred, transitioned from our certification-based training to doing things that are just based more on um, what's happening currently in the world and in the news and things like that. So that shift has allowed us to maybe expand our market to whereas it, before it was based on us having a certification for a particular state, 
now it's really open to wherever somebody wants to learn about that information. Lorenzo, what problem exists in the world today that you would like to solve? Um, mm, now that, that's heavy. <laughs> I think, um, well, one of the things that I, I, I was recently asked, one of the things that I was thankful for, and it was, I thought about, you know, just being thankful that there were other people that felt like they could work hard and make the world better. And I think getting people to a point where we can all look at, if nothing else, our children and say that we can, we, we should all be able to treat them fairly. They should all be able to feel loved. They should all be able to play and learn about life in a safe environment as much as possible. And I guess getting to everyone to a point where we can just look at all of our children that way. You know, I, I think adults, it's maybe a little harder for us to sometimes get past are just old feelings or old ideas on different things. But I think if we're able to kind of take that step and just really look at the kids and say, you know, how can we look at them and not want better for them? You know, not want them to be safe, not want them to feel love, not want them to enjoy living life and growing and making the world better. And I think there's a little bit of a fear that, as adults, we may be scared about that change or about that growth. So we end up stunning the children's growth. But I think the more that we put it on them and we say, listen, this is what's in front of you. Now, how are we gonna make this better? I think that's what helps to move that needle a little bit and get things rolling in the right direction. So, you know, I don't know if the problem is just getting the world to try to love each other as much as possible and just recognize our similarities more than our differences. Um, but, you know, it's somewhere in there, I'll say. <laughs> what was that aha moment and that story around you realizing that your business was going to be successful? Wow. Uh, I think going into the pandemic, seeing that um, as a business, we were ahead of some things. So what I mean is going into that March, April, Thrive had already started looking at teleservices and American Training Center was already, already looking at remote training. And so when we went into it, seeing that we were kind of ahead a little bit and that, you know, we were, we were providing high quality services, you know, we, we were doing a really good job. So it was having that, I guess, step ahead and knowing that we were already moving in the right direction. Just, it just felt like we had the right team, the right chemistry and the right direction. And so I think that really just, righted the ship. It, it wasn't as much about uh, a nominal amount as it was a, about just looking at where we were and saying, 
wow, I can, I can really see the next steps in a tangible way, not just thinking about it, but seeing the pieces, resources, or different components that would make it up. Advice you wish you had followed. Uh, I, I, I'll say, I remember when I was in my early 20s and my brother had told me that I needed to work on my emotional intelligence. And, you know, I, I kind of responded like someone who wasn't very emotionally intelligent probably <laughs> at the time. And I was, I had, you know, I just come out of school. I had gotten a pretty good job. Um, and I kind of thought my work or how I was looked at work was really just predicated on being, I guess, trying to be bright and talented and work hard and get things done. But I wasn't really as concerned about how, I guess, my interactions were with people, how I, I felt in those situations, how they felt in the situations. I was really just focused on, I guess, the black and white of business, in a sense. And so looking back, I wish I'd really focused in on that piece a little bit more as far as how people felt at the end of their interactions with me instead of just sort of being a grinder and just working and um, just having that be where the majority of my energy's at. I want you to have a monologue and I want you to name the person living or not. Lorenzo, this person has been so inspirational to you in your life. Name the person and what are you saying to that person? Uh, I guess it, it would be my, probably my father. And, to, to, and um, he passed away when I was 19. So I was in um, college at Morehouse at the time. And um, I, what that, I guess the conversation or in, in talking to him, I, I would have to say that I'm really just amazed by your journey and going from, or growing up just really dirt poor in Florida, essentially a, 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 I mean, a sharecropper in, in essence, and, you know, to go from living in that environment to, um, you know, when he passed away, he was a high school principal. And, you know, to, he was the first in his town to go to college. So it's, it's kind of mind boggling to me to think about how, I guess, you dreamed beyond what was one in front of you. And, you know, knowing that there wasn't an internet or... You, you didn't have access to a television and you probably couldn't even get a newspaper. But for some reason, you knew there was a bigger world out there. And, you know, you, you, you did what you needed to to see it and experience it. And, you know, I know he wasn't perfect and probably made a lot of mistakes along the way, but I can't help but respect going from just a truly impoverished condition where, you know, he, he, they ate what they killed, you know, it was one of those environments 
And, and the funny thing is 20 years ago, I went to visit the house with my brother and it was still on a dirt road. And, um, you know, seeing now that, um, or being able to see it as an adult and understand how hard that journey had to be. Um, just, I, I wish I could have more conversations about it so I could admire and understand it better. That's an amazing story and our sincere sympathy for your loss, but thank you for being so authentic and sharing that story. Oh, oh sure. Thank you. Talk about your mental health and managing your business. Oh, wow. Well, this one is another doozy, I guess, in the sense that, um, you know, I, I wasn't, I came into the space uh, on the mental health side, not someone who necessarily subscribed to it. I was basically a, a, I would say a traditional old school black person in a sense and but I saw the value again of putting this highly educated person in the home. So I, at first that was my draw. But then as I started to learn more about it, I started to understand how critical it was and how important it was and what a detriment it was to the communities that really needed it the most. And that's why when Thrive was formed and American Training Center were formed, both partners understood that they were being designed to take those organizations into the places that needed them the most. You know, it wasn't about just kind of creating something and making a lot of money. It was making sure it could go where it needed to go. And so the mental health piece just wasn't there for me, you know, so, but then as time went on and things got more stressful, different things happened and you know, I, I think I hit a point where, or no, I can't say, I think I know I hit a point where, you know, I was kind of in the face with something that I didn't realize was there, you know, and I went from being in a situation of looking at the work I was doing as helping people that needed it the most to understanding that the work I was doing was actually the work that could have helped me when I was young. And that there was experiences that I, I hadn't even processed mentally that, you know, had ended up coming back and sort of just reframing my whole perspective of my experience in the work. I mean, here, essentially, I created companies to go back to the place and provide the service in the same place that I would have needed the services and, or to some extent. So it was really... Uh, surreal and just sort of oh, not not bizarre but just really awe inspiring moment for me and that i had to recognize that there was some connection as to why i was doing the work and you know it was really in some way to help who i was but then help the other children that i had seen Um, we've heard data is king. How do you use and collect data? Often, I'll say, I'll start with the, um, on the workforce development side. We're often using data to figure out really what's in demand, you know, as far as careers and how to start positioning people to be able to take advantage of those opportunities. 
So, you know, that data can be pretty critical in that respect, because of course, if you're training people and not, the jobs aren't out there, then you're kind of setting them up to, for failure or you're setting them up to be frustrated with you. So what we wanted to do was ensure that we're looking at the data and processing that on the front end before we start creating the curriculum and meeting with the employers to establish the relationships and, and, and setting up everything through the state. We're starting at that data point to ensure that we just don't waste a lot of time. Um, then I'll give an example on the Thrive-In it is looking at uh, the demographics of a community that we may put an outpatient facility in. And knowing it, that we are, let's say, on a um, on a, a public transportation pathway or something, so that we can provide services to, you know, different community um, members, you know, regardless of what socioeconomic background they're coming from. So we're looking at a lot of those data points, um, in addition to, and that's and that's one type of data, but I think. It's also looking at really, for example, you might look in this space at what conferences are being promoted and how often are you seeing certain concepts being promoted. So if you keep seeing, for example, that um, you know now some music therapy is becoming a, a, a bigger draw as far as the different conferences, that usually means that things are becoming more accepted. You know, and people are starting to look at them as something that's a more reasonable service. So then as an organization, we may start hiring more of those individuals because now their credentials being recognized in a higher level. So I, I think there's a lot of different ways to look at, I guess, data or information. Um, you know, even in rolling out a class for our um, cryptocurrency course, where we had to do research on different things like searches for uh, crypto in different states and what demographics were doing that and why they were looking at that information. So there are a lot of deep dives you can take with the data. Um, I think you probably hear the somewhat excitement in my voice. I know my, my coworkers and staff think it's funny, but you know, I kind of like digging into these things and understanding the, the story that the numbers can tell. And where is that data gap in your industry? Wow. You know, it, it's interesting because I don't know. I'm, 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 I guess I've become a little skeptical in some sense in that I'm not sure if some, if the data gaps are there or if it's not being readily made available to the people that really need it so that we can have the impact or change or work on the things that we need to. Um, so, you know, and what I mean is we, for, for our American Training Center, when we're providing our training and we're trying to connect people as, let's say, apprentices to different opportunities, you know, we know that the organizations in the area need this role. They need certified medical assistance. We know they're spending all this money on different agencies to, you know, mitigate this and they're overpaying higher skilled professionals to cover things. So we know that the need's there and they know that the need's there, but for whatever reason, you know, you can bring it to those people 
in the disc, there's still a disconnect, you know? And so, and sometimes that gap where it is kind of like information to some extent and them understanding the true or full value of it. But other times, you know, you do find that there may be something else involved or something else in play that impacts it. There may be some politics in play that impact it. So, you know, it may look like it's a lack of understanding or a lack of data, but it's really just not the right relationship or not the right scenario in place. Um, so, you know, I think there always is more data to grab as far as understanding things differently. I, you know, I love looking into ACEs, um, adverse childhood experiences and looking at that sort of longitudinal study and how they were able to determine the impact of having those experiences in a child's life and their life expectancy ultimately. And, you know, starting to look at how that just impacts different communities as a whole and, you know, longitudinally and what should we expect to see. Um, so I'm, and even in that respect, I think the data is there. I just don't know if it's really being looked at because if you look at it, it almost starts to look at you're pushing a certain group of people to an earlier um, mortality rate. If, if you're saying you know that these experiences are hurting these people. So, you know, I think there are a lot of different layers to how we can look at the problems and look at the data being not available or maybe not just fully being acknowledged at times. Lorenzo, what is your zone of genius? Uh, I just like to build things and help people. So, you know, and generally to do those things, I have to be sort of a, um, I guess, sort of a Swiss Army knife of sorts in that, you know, I've had to learn how to do a lot of different things well to support the systems or industries that I was going in. And within those things, both encompass on some level business development. And that seems to be where I probably, or, or, or you know, just, going after strategic initiatives, um, forming different collaborations, helping organizations really see how they can work together well. And one of my greatest, um, I guess, experiences is when, is when I can help really develop people in a way where I can help bring the best of themselves out and, and kind of build around them in a way so that they can just see themselves really successful and, um, using their skill sets in the best way. So, you know, that's something that I would say also excites me and I enjoy. So what can we do right now to support the Thrive Network and or American Training Center? Well, I'll I'll say American Training Center Right now, we have a, a 501c3 nonprofit where we do accept donations for people who want to try to sponsor some of our young people so that they can get certified in different things. Um, at times, we'll take donations to diff- get different equipment or things like that so we can make sure that what we're providing is cutting edge. Um, we're always looking to support the schools that we work with as far as the high schools. And so anything that even would be helpful for them through us 
is helpful in a sense. So it's not about us being selfish. It's really about for us doing what we can for these kids and young people so that they can be successful long-term. Um, as far as the Thrive Network, you know, one thing I, I, I could, would be really helpful in this area is being able to identify more therapists and especially therapists of color and therapists who are bilingual. You know, I, I would love to be able to um, interact with more people and bring those people to the table because I'm often going into communities that are very diverse and I want to be able to bring people in who people can feel comfortable around. Sometimes there are some major cultural differences that people need to understand. And when you go into someone's home, it's good to have that understanding going in. I think it inc greatly increases the probability of a successful interaction as well as the rapport being built. So, you know, just looking for really, um, I, I, we love talented people. And, um, you know, so that's definitely something that would be helpful. If you conducted this interview, what is the one question that you would have asked yourself? And I want you to ask the question and answer it. Um, hmm. Wow. Yeah, I guess it would be around my um, work schedule and asking because and I think I, and I think it's because I run into this quite a bit and it's almost just asking, you know, how, how do you juggle between two companies and, and carrying a pretty prominent role in both? And um, I would say, it's, you know, I, I generally work probably around 70 or so hours a week. Um, but I think as an entrepreneur, I did something that was key and that I, I made sure I work at things that I'm passionate about. Even if it's not, I'm not the service provider, I can be passionate about the people who are being instructed at the school. I can be passionate about the children and families that are being helped through the therapeutic services and see the um, value of it. And, how important what I'm doing is for those, their lives and just ensuring that I do my part. Um, and so it's just a really passionate um, endeavor for me and that drives and motivates me. And, you know, so I, <laughs> when I say I work those hours, I'm not kind of going straight through the day. I, I'll, I'll take a break for dinner, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but then, I'm kind of swinging back in in the evenings. Uh, my family's very understanding, but they know, you know, they'll look over, they'll see me on my phone, sending a quick email out in the middle of a movie. Um, but they understand that I also will take time and make time for them. And um, this, this weekend I was out taking my son to a basketball tournament. So, you know, it's, it's, it's about balancing it, but I would say just make sure, don't, don't go into something that, you're, you're really not, you just, you gotta love it. You gotta love what it does. You gotta love what it's about. So you can just put your heart into it to make it successful. Lorenzo, I'm gonna step back for a minute and I just wanna say this to the audience because 
um, I they may think that I just jumped over when you finished talking about um, looking for or identifying more therapists, people of color, bilingual therapists. And I will absolutely allow you to share that information again because um, someone is like, well, she didn't let him tell us how to connect with him. So why don't you... No, 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 no. That was on my part. Why don't you share with our audience? They're saying, yes, I'd like to join the Thrive Network. I am a therapist. I'm um, of color or bilingual or whatever. They just want their therapists and they just feel like they want to be a part of your network. How can they connect with you? The best thing to do would be to go to our, go to our website. They can contact me. Uh, actually, our HR department through there, um, you know, as I said, we are actively looking for people. So it would be a very quick turnaround as far as you hearing from someone and the process probably, you know, moving in a direction. Um, but just going to that web page, um, there is a, a page where you can put your information in and get the process started. So, um, you know, we also do have ads on Indeed as well for this is for in New Jersey right now. Um, and we're um, looking for outpatient in Cherry Hill, New Jersey and Egg Harbor Township, New Jersey. And we're looking for in-home therapists in every county from Mercer down to Cape May. Thank you for that. We've come to the part of our interview and it's called Fun Facts Lightning Round. And I'd like you to give me very quick answers. If there's something you desire not to answer, feel free to say pass. Are you ready for the Fun Facts Lightning Round? All right, let's go. <laughs> your, your favorite color. Your Blue. first job. Um, oh, gosh. Uh, um. Basic Skills Improvement Program Assistant Instructor. <laughs> the last movie you saw? Um, Black Panther. You relaxed doing what? Gosh, spending time with the family, playing basketball with my son, playing video games with him sometimes. Your favorite singer or rapper? Gosh. Uh... Uh, Jay-Z, Kendrick Lamar, Drake. Your favorite dance song? Oh, gosh. I haven't danced much, but I'll, I'll say Happy by Pharrell. That's a pretty happy song people get excited about. <laughs> what food you eat every week no matter what? Pizza. And I shouldn't, but I pretty much eat it once a week at some point. Your favorite month? Uh, uh, May. Workout or hit the couch? Workout. Lorenzo McFadden, thank you so much for joining us on Black Entrepreneur Experience Podcast. Before we let you go, why don't you share with our audience the best way for them to connect with you and to do business with you and to support your business and feel free to leave all your social media handles. Oh, oh wow, that's great. All right, so um, again, if you wanna reach out to the Thrive Network, that's www.thethrivenetwork.com. Um, you can follow us on Facebook, 
Instagram, Twitter as well. And of course, American Training Center, we're at www.amtrainingcenter.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok as well. Um, you know, we're, we're definitely offering some new courses. Oh, and I would encourage everyone who can to look into our crypto fundamentals course. I think it's just uh, something really critical for us to get an understanding of now on the front end as we really experience this sort of redistribution of wealth in our world. Thank you, Lorenzo. That's a wrap. All right. Thank you. Take care. Thank you.